1: Welcome to episode 307 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, September 26th. Crunch time is here, and I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir.
2: Hey Brad. Good to be on with you. Those were some some high stress and very important games that we just watched this weekend in San Diego. And it was a really good week overall for the Braves. And it's it's hard to believe that we only have a week left. I feel like just yesterday we were getting together and doing the preseason preview podcasts and, and here we are with a week to go and, uh, you know, go into the week with a a lead on the Phillies. And and that's obviously a a big advantage, but it's, it's going to be high stress from here on out.
1: Uh, Certainly. And I think the headliner is the utter heroism of Will Smith over the weekend. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding, Scott. We'll get into that later. I promise it was, it was a sort of a high wire act on Sunday, which we'll talk about momentarily. Um, but as we've been doing most of the season, we'll kind of breeze through the early week stuff because uh, Sean Coleman, uh, shouts to Sean for the Daily Hammer, has been touching on that stuff on the podcast feed. And by the way, I would recommend subscribing to the to the feed and downloading and listening every day to Sean, to Road to Atlanta, as well as to us on the weekends when we are here. But uh, the Braves went into Arizona, your, your stomping grounds, and nearly swept the Diamondbacks. They won the first three games. Uh, pretty comfortably, uh, a seven-run win, a five-run win, and a seven-run win in succession, pretty much dominating every night. Even through a bullpen game on Tuesday, they dominate. And then I kind of want to start here for the most part, um, not to be dire, but Thursday, it felt for a brief moment as if the Braves were going to kind of like put the nail in the coffin almost of the Phillies. And then within like 30 minutes, it was the exact opposite feeling. Uh, It's about, about as big of a swing as you could possibly have on one night with the Braves blowing a 4-1 lead, uh, followed by the Phillies coming back from a 6-0 deficit on the same evening. So the lead could have been 4. It pr- was projected to be 4 for most of that night, and suddenly it was 2. A uh, pretty massive swing there, and obviously things look better now than they did then, but I kind of want to start there because of how uh, weird and unfortunate that little sequence was.
2: Yeah, it really was. I mean, you you never know, of course, what's going to happen over those those final 10 games, but Thursday night was was rough, and if the Braves were going to falter here down the stretch, I think we could have looked at that truly like 30 minute stretch where it looked like they were, I mean, they were up four to one with Charlie Morton on the mound in the seventh inning. You feel pretty good about your chances, especially against a pretty bad Arizona team. Um, and seemingly within a stretch of like 12 pitches, the game was turned upside down. Then you, you of course just mentioned the Phillies come back against the lifeless pirates. Um, it seemed like things were took a, a harsh turn for the worst right there. And thankfully, we know, of course, how the weekend shook out and everything. But um, as we know, every single game matters. And you, of course, need to beat up on the bad teams. And credit to the Braves for winning those first three in Arizona. And I think the Thursday loss was was really frustrating. And then you, uh, you know, even if the Phillies lost, it would have been a frustrating game because it's like, man, they, they could have added another game in the standings there. Uh, and then for the Phillies to come back and, and to beat the Pirates, despite the 6-0 hole early was Obviously, uh, pretty disheartening, but thankfully, it, it seems like it won't end up being the end of the season as uh, quite honestly, for a little while there, I thought, man, th- this might have swung the entire year.
1: Yeah, there was a brief moment that evening when I felt that way and maybe into Friday morning as well. One thing I want to know from that game on Thursday, um, Jacob Webb came in and allowed a 3 run homer and then a double, then a double on 10 pitches, which was not great. But I will say there was a lot of Jacob Webb's slander on the timeline on Thursday night. And I'll just say this before that. Webb had not allowed an earned run since June 18th. He had thrown 15 in the third scoreless baseball before that, so he's allowed to have a bad night. It's unfortunate the timing of that, but uh, he had been pretty good before that. So yeah, I wanted to just get out in front of that.
2: No, he has. He's been he's been strong for the last two months. He did not have a great day Thursday, and he had a pretty rough weekend as well when the bullpen yeah. was really taxed. Of of course, you start to get some some uh, positivity around Jacob Webb, who had a, a rough start to the year. And then what happens is people start to sing his praises a little bit. Uh, he has two bad games in a row. But it, it happens, such is life with relief pitchers.
1: Absolutely. Um, and briefly, we'll get into the weekend now. So the early game on Friday was not so early. It was delayed because of rain in San Diego, which is not a thing that usually happens. Uh, that happened, though. Um, so a very late night at the office for all parties. But game one was, of course, the, uh, the restart of the uh, suspended game from earlier in the season. And I want to stress this. The Braves could have won the first game on Friday. They ended up tying the game on an Adam Duvall home run. But uh, pre-game, and this is, you know, you can sort of battle on how important this is, but pre-game, the Braves are supposed to lose more often than they win because they're down a run in the fifth inning of a seven-inning game. And the Padres are in a tailspin. That is worth noting, for sure. And they're not out of the playoffs and all that stuff. But still, uh, I, I understand the frustration because they did tie the game, but coming in, like, you can't expect to win that game more often than you lose. And uh, in particular, now that they've won the next three, I guess there's less sting on that game one. But even in the moment, I was like, you know what? That kind of sucked because Will Smith allowed a home run to, um, (laughs) by the way, to an MVP frontrunner on a pretty decent pitch, I thought, which is uh, pretty funny. Um, But it was on brand for all parties involved. Regardless, though, that wasn't as bad of a loss as it kind of felt maybe in the moment.
2: No, I think especially coming off of that Thursday where – you thought you were sweeping Arizona. You don't sweep. The Phillies come back. It's a two-game swing in the standings. And then what happens? You tie up the the Padres late. And Will Smith, as you said, it was not a bad pitch. And Fernando Tatis, pound for pound, might be a you know what top three player in the entire world right now. But it was frustrating. Thankfully, they bounced back in a big way that night on with Max Reed. I, I was on post-game recap duties that night, and I think I, my first line was you know Max Reed... Stop the bleeding. And it may not have saved the season, but it certainly helped, especially coming off of a pretty rough 24 hour stretch.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be hyperbolic. And I didn't put this in the outline and I kind of just started thinking about it now. But I feel like that has to be the front runner for most important pitching performance of the season, uh, both combination of stakes and just how incredible he was on Friday night. Max Free, just for the record, if you missed it, uh, a 98 pitch Maddox complete game shutout, three hits, no walks. Um, but, I mean, I, I think I'm probably right here, but do you disagree? I think it was the biggest start of the season by any pitcher the Rays of had.
2: Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I was just trying to recall. I mean, he had a tremendous start earlier in the year against Baltimore, where he threw a Maddox like he did on Friday night complete game with less than 100 pitches. But, uh, yeah, you, you talk about just putting your big boy pants on when the team absolutely needs you. Um, All year long, Morton and Freed have been so good, especially lately. I think Max Freed has kind of under the radar, been elite in the second half of the season. And a big reason why they've been able to make up all this ground is because Freed has been so good. It's hard to think of a single time this year where they needed a bigger start, and and Freed really did deliver on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you referenced it, but his last 10 starts, which is since the beginning of August, so basically two months And there's some cherry-picking in there for sure. But Max Fried's ERA in the last 10 starts is 1.48. Like, you can't really fake that. Like, Max Fried has been out of his mind, and he had kind of a slow start this year. And, you know, we talked about it, and I think it was worth talking about how he wasn't quite the dominant self that he was last year when he really carried the staff throughout the season. But with this run, like, he's into the top 25 in, like, fangrafts war among pitchers um, in, in all leagues. Um, so, like, that's how good he's been. I think he's actually, you know, he's not quite to where Morton was, but he's pretty close, and his ERA is lower than Morton's. His ERA, 3.12 for the season, which is elite, given the run environment that we're in right now. Um, very, very few guys. I think only, you know, six or seven guys in all of baseball have qualified for the ERA title, have a sub-3 ERA, and Freed is close to that. So, that's how good he's been. But, again, I'm not, like, the biggest hyper- hyperbole guy in the world, but it felt like, given what we just talked about with Thursday and that swing and then Friday losing a game that you could have won. Uh, it was late in the evening in San Diego. Not a whole lot of people were watching live. I was kind of following along on Twitter, not saying much, kind of kind of low key. And uh, it's, it was pretty quiet for a Braves game just because of how late it was. Uh, obviously it was prime time for you, I suppose, out there. Uh, but one of those things where uh, it just felt like it was this massive swing start and obviously he was just great in a vacuum.
2: Yeah, he. you needed it. Not only that, but – he also saved the bullpen,
1: um, oh, yeah.
2: not not knowing what was going to transpire on Saturday and Sunday. Um, they were, you know, for him to cover nine full innings was was just outstanding. So you can't say enough about Max Freed. He has been tremendous here lately. And as, as we look forward, if the Braves do close this out and make the playoffs, uh, you have to feel pretty good. I mean, the way that Morton and Freed are throwing the ball right now, at least for games one and two of a series, um, you have to feel good about him, and, and again, that's looking down the road a little bit, but a, a hat tip to Max, because if he doesn't bring it on Friday night, uh, you, you can already kind of feel how the season would start to feel like it was going down in a, in a tailspin. Uh, he stopped the bleeding and, and set the team up really nicely for the
1: weekend. Yeah, he really did. Um, we could probably leave that there for now, but Philly won again on Friday, which made it that that, pit, that start even bigger, because the Phillies— randomly, maybe not randomly, the Phillies got hot. They won five in a row, including Friday night. So the lead, even with the Braves splitting on Friday, the lead was down to one and a half. And then again on Saturday, the Braves win this crazy game that we'll talk about now, but the Phillies won again. So they kind of had to win again. There was some pressure on this weekend and sort of the high stakes that we were all feeling. Saturday's game, though, was quite a roller coaster. Uh, yeah. Down 3 nothing early, then there, then down again 7-3 after a grand slam is hit off of, uh, off of Enoa in the fifth. And then uh, Jorge Soler takes over, hits a three-run homer to tie the game. They fall behind again. And then uh, an RBI single from Rosario to tie the game in the ninth with two outs to uh, stave off a loss. And then Soler, uh, RBI double for the lead. They add it on again. And then uh, Will Smith on his second straight day, after blowing uh, after blowing it in a tie game on Friday, has a, a rare 1-2-3 inning on Saturday yeah. for Will Smith to shut it down. And I, I will say this before I hand it off to you. Uh, I am someone who reads everything because I'm in the media and I like to just devour all content. Uh, it was striking to me how fired up the team was after Saturday and it was uh I think it also showed in the coverage and on Twitter from you know from Gabe and doB and those guys uh, it it was a different feeling. They were uh talking about playoff atmosphere and how excited they were they were very, they were very excited after that game <laughs> I felt like
2: well if, if you, we just talked about, maybe the biggest pitching performance of the year on Friday night from Max Freed. I'm not sure there's been a better game played this season for the Braves than there was on Saturday night. Um, you're right. It felt like a playoff game. It would have been real easy to pack it in uh, going down in an early hole. Wascari Noel was not great. He, he got beat up by the long ball and then a grand slam to Manny Machado uh, to make it seven three. There were plenty of opportunities for this team to, to fade and, To their credit, they just kept fighting back, and it's a huge win. You just noted Philadelphia won again. Um, Anytime you can look up on the scoreboard and see the Phillies are winning, I think it's just in the back of your mind that you got to win tonight because truly one bad night can be the difference between making the playoffs or not, winning the division or not. Um, So absolutely, I I saw those same quotes, and I'm I'm glad the team was fired up after that win. I'm sure – in game 155 or whatever it was, it'd be easy to be a little worn down mentally and physically. So uh, it was a big jolt and obviously a, a big win for the team, especially considering the having to come back three times and then hold it in the 10th inning with Will Smith, as you said. Um, it was a really fun game to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, a 10-8 back and forth craziness. You know, Jorge Soler and Jock Pearson making huge swings after they arrive midseason that game had it all. It was uh, not the greatest pitching performance <laughs> from the Braves. Uh, whenever you uh, allow eight uh, runs, um, yeah. like you know it was not good, for instance, and uh, that maybe throws into some question the fourth starter spot um, for the playoffs, which we can get into if the playoffs actually happen. We'll talk about that next week for the most part. Um, but beyond that, you know, just a crazy one. and um, you know, I obviously had to have it to keep the lead at one and a half. It was a high-stakes environment. I'm not even sure what else I want to say about it. We could, we could go through the entire game, but they made the plays they had to make. Um, and to come back from a three-run deficit and a four-run deficit and a one-run deficit that were all separate deficits in the same game, <laughs> like yeah. what do you what do you even say about that? It was a uh, fantastic game.
2: Yeah, it's looking back at that game too. Again, it's been a theme seemingly every week for the last month and a half. But man, you talk about the trade deadline and those acquisitions. Jock Peterson had a big hit early. Jorge Soler had the three-run homer to tie it up, and then the go-ahead double in the tenth. Um, Eddie Rosario had a big hit with two outs in the ninth inning. It was a little bloop shot over the second baseman with two outs. Um, we, we have talked seemingly every week about <laughs> how great the trade deadline was and how for really giving up nothing of value, they completely overhauled the outfield. Um, every, seemingly every night, one of those guys is involved whenever the team wins. And all of them put it on display on, on Saturday night. And it was just a really, again, just a fun and, and really important game to win.
1: Yeah, I looked it up. I'm not sure what it is after today, but I know Solaire after Saturday night has had like an 860 OPS with 12 home runs and 50 games with the Braves, which is like borderline star production. Like, not, you can't really suspect that to necessarily continue all the way, but this is a guy who did have a 48 home run season or whatever it was, and he's been playing at you know almost that level. Like, he's basically on like a 35 to 40 home run pace with the Braves, and that's just kind of crazy production, and Jock's Jock's been hot and cold for sure, but he had a couple big swings in that game, and yeah, Adam Duvall's been awesome, uh, pretty much the entire time with the Braves since he came, since uh, I coined uh, his nickname of non tender. Do you like that, by the way? I, <laughs> meant to ask you that.
2: I did. I, I like that. Yes. I, it's hey, good on Adam. I mean, it seems like between his year when he came over and got demoted to the minors, and then getting non tendered for a reasonable amount of money six months ago or eight months ago, whatever it was now. Um, yeah, man. He's this whole group has been a lot of fun, and I you know it's it's crazy how moving Jorge Soler to the top of the order which I believe was done on Monday <laughs> and Ozzy
1: out of that spot for the most part <laughs> it's, it's
2: it's not a coincidence that getting that moving everybody up it, it can't be a coincidence right the offense had been sputtering for weeks Ozzy was not you know for whatever reason he's just not great in that leadoff spot um I know that Jorge Soler might be like the strongest leadoff hitter of all time uh <laughs> he is not your prototypical uh, middle infielder in that spot but man um Ever since, I wanted to mention, I think it was Monday when they switched the lineup a little bit. Um, I think they averaged, what, seven runs a game this week with, with that combination? Um, that that can't be a coincidence, and I think they have found a lineup that really works for them.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, to wrap it up on Duvall, by the way, uh, in addition to his work this year, uh, since, and I know you remember this very well, the uh, the discourse with, with Adam Duvall when he first came to Atlanta and was terrible for like 48 bats, and everyone freaked out. Uh, I know we defended him roundly on this podcast. Uh, Last three seasons for Adam Duvall, this is coming into today, a 520 slugging percentage and an 814 OPS with 64 home runs in 239 games.
2: Wow. He is is the epitome of a modern-day slugger. Right? Like, he he seemingly, it's home run or bust, or, you know, he works the count, he strikes out, but he also walks. I mean, he's, those are some big-time power numbers, and a guy who we talked about uh, – I was on the, the chop with uh, with Sean Coleman earlier this week, and his defensive versatility, too, has been really, really helpful. He's been playing center field more times than not, and can't say enough good things about Adam Duvall.
1: Absolutely. And I, I always, I, I'm always here to sing Adam Duvall's praises, as you well know. Um, all right, before we get to today's game, which was a roller coaster of the highest order, and also look ahead to next week, which is, by the way, it's like I said at the top of the podcast, it's crunch time. It's the final week of the season – Every game matters. But before we get to all of that, a word to hear from our sponsors on the podcast.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate
1: First, it's a bullpen game because they don't trust a fifth starter of any kind. Uh, Same thing they did early in the week and and ended up winning. It was Jesse Chavez as the nominal starter, followed by Drew Smiley and friends behind him. They had the lead. We talked about Jacob Webb earlier. gave it back again, so a bad bad outing for Jacob Webb. So we'll fast forward to the end. Uh, They're up by a run in the ninth, and they've used not their whole bullpen – but most of their bullpen. The only guys who had not pitched to that point were Will Smith, who came in. Uh, I think Chris Martin was still was still available. And then like the guys you don't want to pitch, like Sean Newcomb, huh. uh, yeah. basically. Um, everybody else had been used, you know, Minter, um, you know, Matt's Yeah, Luke, Luke Jackson, who's gotten some big outs. In Rich the past Rod. Two yeah, they, they all yeah. they all pitched. So it's like all right, they're setting this thing up. We talked about this a lot for the last few weeks, especially, with Snickers still being wedded to Will Smith in the ninth inning. All that stuff comes in. Uh, it's rare, not not impossible, but rare that he pitches three days in a row. But he did, he did in this game. Uh, he had nothing. Like very obviously had nothing. I'm not a pitching expert, but if you watched him for any length of time in this in this game, it was not even just like ha ha Will Smith is bad, which I know is like a popular thing to talk about. He was cool. like visibly terrible in, in this game. Like just had nothing. Like his stuff was bad. He his command was bad. Um, I think he, yeah, I wrote, wrote it down. He threw 13 balls in the first 19 pitches. Like it was not even, uh, it was not not good. Uh, not even I would try to defend the way he was pitching. Um, I, I have an easier time giving that a pass on the third straight day when he threw the second most pitches that he's thrown all season long and the most pitches that he's thrown in five plus months. It was a very weird performance but they somehow get out of it. Like he gets two strikeouts after lo- after walking the bases load. I don't even know what to say, Scott. It was a roller coaster. Um, as resident Will Smith defender, I couldn't defend this performance. Like there was no way, but it somehow worked. I don't know.
2: Yeah. That was the full Will Smith experience. And it is fair to note that he was pitching, as you just said, for the third day in a row. Like, and it was out of sheer necessity. I promise you if, if it was not a, you know, a one, a one run situation, they would have gone to somebody else and, it is it is physically difficult to ramp up and pitch three days in a row, especially high-stress stuff. Um, it did not look great. I mean, you could just kind of see it from the very beginning. He did not have any kind of command of his fastball. Um, the slider, when he doesn't have the fastball, hitters can, can wait on the slider and just sit on it because they know he's not going to beat them with that fastball. Um, it, it did not look good. Uh, he somehow got out of it. Um, I don't think a single ball was put into play the entire inning. Uh, you had the three walks and three strikeouts, and thank goodness, <laughs> uh, I mean, you and, before we started recording this podcast, you and I were texting that this just felt like impending doom, oh, and yeah. what, a, what a frustrating loss it would have been if they weren't able to get out of it, but hey, to, to Will's credit, he made some tremendous pitches uh, with his three strikeouts, he got a little bit of help from the home plate umpire, yes. though. the the home plate umpire was pretty bad all day long. Uh, so I, I, guess, you know, all things balance out in the end, but man, what a, what a stressful, but thankfully, uh, it, it worked out and, and here we are, the Braves have a two and a half game lead with, with three in the loss column ahead of the Phillies, uh, with just this final week to go.
1: You can even, even hear on the broadcast. Like I, I always say, I rarely listen to the broadcast. I have to be honest. I rarely listen to the broadcast. It's usually on mute. I turned it on for the ninth today. Um, because football was over, and I was like, all right, I'll just have the sound on the main TV for a while. And you could even hear it with Glavin and Chip, that they were uh, they knew he had nothing. I think everyone knew he had nothing, like in the ballpark, basically. Uh, and he was just grinding it out. So, I mean, some credit to Smith. Uh, some bad approach stuff from the Padres when he was in some holes, and they kind of let him get out of them. Uh, home plate umpire, all that stuff. It was a meaningful uh, a game that I'll rem- remember this season. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I don't I don't know what to make of it. Like I think if you're using that as an example of why Will Smith is bad, I would say that's not a good example. Uh, I think Friday may be more of an example, even though he barely missed. Just cause third day and like he obviously just didn't have anything today. Um, but the narr- I mean I refuse to do the whole thing again, Scott, but we could have the same Will Smith conversation that we always have. Uh, it's just uh. it's not gonna change, folks. I I know trust me, even as someone who has defended Will Smith I don't think that it should be as clean as Brian Snicker does of like, Oh, ninth inning Will Smith time. <laughs> like I, not even I would say that. And I think he's yeah. been uh, more malign than usual. I just, if you need more evidence at this point, that Brian Snicker is just going to do what he does. And that means having one guy in the ninth that is regardless of matchup. I don't even know what to tell you. It's, it's going to happen until it doesn't, but he's going to do it every time.
2: Hey, Thank goodness he got out of that one today. He this did. would have been a, a very different podcast. For oh, UNI I mean, we would have had to lead he...
1: with it, and like it wouldn't be so fun. And like, you know, <laughs> obviously it was. Uh, honestly, they probably should have lost today. If we're being like with what Will Smith yeah, had, fair. with what Will yeah. Smith had, and the way he was throwing, and just his stuff and his command, it's a miracle they didn't lose that game, or at yeah. least or at least go to extra innings. Like the fact, right.
2: that, and who knows what, what yeah. happens? And you just said the bullpen was just burned i mean you yeah. it's funny we mentioned like chris martin is the best option i think i think chris martin has given up a run in like 19 straight games at this point i was <laughs> i
1: almost said that earlier when i talked about who was available because like yeah he chris martin is is obviously better than sean newcomb and the other guys are available but uh you know chris martin's been good for a long time he has not been very good recently um i'm looking at his numbers now as we're talking uh, yeah yeah he had a couple squirrels but like yeah he's i think in the last six or seven outings. He's allowed to run in like five of them, something like that. Yeah. Like he's not been very good.
2: So he's just not the same without the sticky stuff.
1: It seems that way. But anyway, yeah. Oh, and also the Braves give up some missed opportunities in the game today. It didn't bite them, but they were two for 14 with runners in scoring position and they left 11 guys on base. So, If they would have lost, that would have been a a part to blame as well. Obviously, it would have all gone on Smith in in reality in the way that things would would have been handled. But their offense kind of underperformed today as well. Uh, Last question on Sunday's game. Uh, What percentage of the time, if I tell you that Will Smith had what he had today in terms of stuff, what percentage of the time does he allow no runs? (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) Boy. I can hear your voice. To his credit, he did throw a couple of really good pitches. Like There was one know, great pitch, slider. One great yeah, slider. The pitch he struck Fernando Tatis out on, yes, it was an inch or two off the plate, but it was a really good pitch, and I believe it was an 0-2 pitch at that. So, you know, for a guy pitching on third day in a row, um, I would have told you the Braves had like a 20% chance of getting out of that game after he walked the first couple batters um yeah and hey he did it thankfully it's a good I'm glad you mentioned the the runner and scoring position thing and it seemed like the Padres had a half dozen hits today that were just little bloop shots somewhere over a glove but hey again you you take the win especially this time of the year whether you win 12 nothing or you have to squeak one out like they did today you take that win every single time and and every game matters especially this time of year and and I know everything is magnified in a pennant chase but man uh, especially knowing the Phillies lost to the Pirates today, 6-0. Um, for Will Smith to find a way to get those three <laughs> outs in the ninth was huge.
1: Shouts to Will Smith. Uh, yeah. There's a conversation to be had about how that's going to be handled in the playoffs, but we'll have it next week. Um, hopefully. <laughs> that's right, yes. Ho- hopefully, knock on wood, we'll have it next week. Um, so you mentioned it, the Phillies lose today. That means the lead is two and a half uh, as of Sunday evening we're recording this, September 26th. Um, both the Braves and, and Phillies have Monday off, so it will not change in the next, you know, 44 hours, basically. Uh, and then, of course, the Phillies come to town in Atlanta on Tuesday. But the magic number is five right now. So uh, that means if you're not if, you don't, if you're not familiar with magic numbers, that means any Braves loss or any Phillies uh, sorry any Braves win or any Phillies loss uh, subtraction from the magic number. So uh, as you wrote. Right here, I'm, I'll credit you in the in the, in the document. If the Braves were to sweep the Phillies, they would win the division. Yep. Just that, just that easy. Three games, they could end it on Thursday if they sweep the Phillies. Now, you can't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think that you can forecast that as a like super likely outcome. But it's obviously possible, and I think the Braves are be a better team. Um, but we'll talk about like rotations and stuff in a second. Five thirty-eight, which is the one that updates in real time, currently has the Braves with a ninety-three percent chance to win. The Nationally East. Um, and for the first time, I think in a while, at least, at least that I've seen, um, the playoff odds and the, and the division odds are now the same because uh, the wild card's out the window. Uh, there was a chance until, like, you know, a very, very small chance until, like, a couple days ago. But with the Cardinals winning every game for two weeks, that's now out the window. So it's the division yep. robust. Um, and 538 has the Braves protect for 87 wins and Philly for 84 wins. So they actually have the Braves finishing three games ahead of the Phillies. Um, any thoughts on that before we dive into the matchups this hmm. week?
2: No, I mean, I, I think it's – there's – I mean, Captain Obvious here. If you could find a way to sweep the Phillies and not have to care at all this weekend, give some guys some days off, um, not have to use your bullpen heavily or, or worry about pitching Freed or Morton on shortened rest or something like that, obviously that helps a lot. But, yeah, even if you – ju- you just start to look at the numbers. if, if you, Even if they take two out of three, it's great – and it just becomes a numbers game. And again, we can we can dive into the matchups here. But I think winning today just makes such a big difference. Being up two and a half versus one and a half. Um, and it going into a three-game series makes a huge difference.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, it's absolutely massive. And, you know, having Monday off as well. After having to throw a bullpen game today, because, again, they don't really trust the starter right now in that role. They taxed everybody. You know, Smith throwing three days in a row. All that stuff. They get a day off that's much needed before this series. But it also allows... Essentially, this is going to be a playoff series against the Phillies in terms of like setup. Um, the Phillies have their one, two, three starters set up. The Braves have their one, two, three starters set up. So it's Morton, Freed, and Anderson in that order for the Braves Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, Philadelphia has um, Zach Wheeler, who is a Cy Young candidate, and then Aaron Nola and Kyle Gibson. Um, and essentially, there was some debate about this whether they want to maybe mess with, with the rotation a little bit for the Braves. And, um, I think this is kind of the very obvious thing to do in this spot, yes, um you know it doesn't there's extra days off, you can argue and stuff like that, but because of that game looming at the end that could be played between Colorado and the Braves, if they do this, not only are they lining up the rotation to be the best that they could possibly be against Philadelphia, but they're also lining it up to where you can have Charlie Morton in that game against Colorado if you have to win it for your season,
2: yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, let's God, let's hope it doesn't come to that Agreed. idea of a <laughs> of a one game. In you know, we'll see obviously how the next week plays out. But you want absolutely no part of that. You want the Braves to play 161 games this year and not have to. If, if folks aren't familiar, or don't remember uh, the one game, the final game against the Rockies a couple weeks ago was rained out. So as things stand, unless it is mathematically necessary. Um, the Braves will not have to play that game unless it, it's the difference between winning the division. Um, so let's hope it is a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that it would be Morton lined up for that game 162, if you will. But again, if, if they take care of business against the Phillies and then they finish with the Mets, um, let's hope that they can only play 161 this year and avoid that situation entirely.
1: Yeah, let's uh, all agree on that because, you know, this year We can go into it for a second, just because that's what we're here for. Philadelphia has been playing better recently than their season baseline. Uh, they lost today, of course, but they're actually almost into the positive run, run differential. They're minus five, and they were actually in positive before today. They were plus one before today. Uh, so they're, they're better than... They're, they have been better, at least, than they were before. With that said, the Braves have outscored the Phillies by 126 runs this year. The Braves are better than the Phillies on paper and they're playing at home uh weirdly the Braves are one of the only teams in baseball this season with a better record on the road than at home I don't really know what to make of that uh Hmm. do you have an opinion because I, I don't but the Braves are uh 500 at home and they're 11 over on the road which is just very strange uh Philly's the exact opposite of that so um I still think you're about to play at home, just for the record. But oh, uh, yeah. I just wanted to say that out loud, like, you know, it, it is a series at home where you're the better team, but if you want to be weird and like put your sample size hat on, they've been mm-hmm. better away from Truist Park this year.
2: Interesting. I, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Um, I would probably chalk that up to just baseball being a weird okay. random game. <laughs> yeah, right. Like unless there's some extreme scenario. I, I think it's probably just randomness. Um, you know, it's worth mentioning you mentioned the Phillies playing a little better in recent weeks. Um, the Phillies this year have been good in one-run games. They're yep. 30, 30, and 24, I believe it is, in one-run games this year. Uh, the Braves are the opposite of that. They have been one of the worst teams in the league in close one-run games. And when you talk about a division race where a team has a two-and-a-half or three-game lead in the in the standings, however you want to look at it, um, but one team has scored 125 more runs than the other – you have to point at something is the reason why and hey you know credit to the Phillies they have found ways to come back and win games especially over the last month as you just mentioned and as we know for months it just seemed to plague the the Braves whenever they would get on a run they would let a game or two get away from them of, of the close variety uh so yeah we'll see it's I hope uh, I hope those in the Atlanta area are able to make it out to truest this week it we you know it'd be nice to have a, a near capacity crowd and Hopefully again, there's all the reasons in the world to wrap this thing up early to give the guys some rest. Um, it should be a really fun series and hopefully they're able to, to clean it up.
1: Yeah. And just to put the numbers on it, Philadelphia is nine and three in the last 12, and that includes the loss today. So they had one of nine of 11 before Sunday. And you know, that's, that's a small sample size too. You look at the numbers again, like the Phillies are a solid baseball team. Uh, The matchup, the only guy you fear in the rotation is Zach Wheeler, and you know it's not like it's not like he's leaps and bounds better than Charlie Morton. I think Wheeler is better this season than anybody the Braves have, Um, but it's still it's a one game sample size. You're playing at home. I think you're fine. I was trying to see if there was a betting lineup yet on the game for uh, for tomorrow because uh, for Tuesday, but obviously it's too early to have that up. Um, I'm gonna bet that it's like a toss up basically in Vegas on Tuesday because it's Wheeler. Um, but the Braves should be favored in the other two games, particularly when you go into even the pitching matchups, like Aaron Nola has been very ordinary this year. Max Freed has been better by a lot. Um, and then Anderson versus Kyle Gibson, I'll take you Anderson all day long. Yeah. So, you know, you're probably favored in pitching matchups, two out of the three games. I think your lineup is, uh, just as good or better. Um, especially with the, with the upgrades they have made during the season. Um, the Braves have scored more runs than the Phillies this year and allowed obviously fewer as well. So mm-hmm. all those things to say, like you got to feel pretty good. Um, with that said, if things go poorly and you get swept, or even if you lose two out of three, um, if you lose two out of three, you're still up a game and a half and you're in the driver's seat. You get swept, and uh, you know <laughs> you're suddenly losing. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's hope not. I mean, it's obviously the most. It's the most clear and plain statement in the world but you have to treat this series like a playoff series and that that doesn't mean that you can go full crazy bullpen usage like the way you would in the playoffs because you have to play games after this and there's no day and there's no there's no day off between this series and the Mets series but you got to be aggressive like if guy doesn't have it you got to get him out of there you got to treat it a little bit differently in my opinion especially these three games because the Mets have packed it in um they're they're definitely out of it now and yeah, they're better than the Marlins, and that's who the Phillies have in the final series of the year. But honestly, in my opinion, you cannot leave it up to hoping the Marlins don't get annihilated by the Phillies in the, over the weekend. Like, put them away now. Even if it's two okay. out of three, you win two out of three games, you're up, you're up three and a half. Am I doing the, I doing yeah. the math right? Yep.
2: Yeah. So basically, if, if it's the Braves win—I was just doing this. Yeah, so if you win two out of three— all it means is so. If the Braves sweep, it's over. If they win two out of three, it means all they have to do is win once against the Mets, or the Phillies have to lose once against the Marlins, or
1: or they have to win the Rockies game. It's literally or, that. Like they they yes. have they have four chances to win one or one Phillies loss if they just win two out of three games. So right,
2: and and even if they lose two out of three, the math still is on their side, right? Like you just said. The absolute last thing you want is to be in a situation where you're you're hoping the Marlins beat the Phillies once or twice. Um, even if the Braves lose two out of three, they still obviously have a commanding position. They would of course need to. You can bet the Mets, even though they have packed it in, are going to come into Truist giving everything they have to oh, try yeah. to ruin Atlanta's season. Um, but you're right. You do not want to leave anything up to the Miami Marlins, who like literally are fielding a Triple A team right now with some of the injuries they've had. Um, you want to take care of business and, and at least two out of three doesn't mathematically win it for you, but it, it mathematically basically wins it for you.
1: Yeah. That's actually, I'm glad you said that because, you know, I, I'm big into the numbers and stuff and the projections and things like that. Um, if the Braves win two out of three against the Phillies, they become like a 97, 8, 9% favorite to win the division. Yeah. Like it's it becomes it's not it's not over. I would never as a as a Falcons fan, I would <laughs> never tell you that it's over. But uh it yeah. is fairly close um to being over going yeah. two out of three. So again, treat it like a playoff series. Um by the way, I might have done I think I did the math wrong on this because um I think it can I think they'll be throwing Freed in the Colorado game, not Morton, if they had to do that. Because if Morton pitches Tuesday, he'd be on four days rest and could pitch Sunday again and then Free could go Monday.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yep. So So, again, that's not a bad scenario. I mean, let's hope they don't have to roll Charlie Morton out there on the final day of the season and then Max Reed on the the new final day of the season. Well,
1: and one of the things that, one of the arguments, not that you don't want to win anyway, but a step beyond that is that if you put this thing away, you want to line up for the the playoffs. I mean, it's one of those things where to have, especially when you only have three stars you trust, and with all due respect to Enoa, I don't trust Enoa right now, um, you have three guys that you trust. Uh, It'd be very nice if you go into a playoff series against, pick a team, um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You're probably going to be playing with the Brewers. Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you think about, you're going to see Corbin Burns, who... I just looked him up. If the Braves make it, and it, assuming I believe the Brewers have won the Central. Oh yeah, against sorry, against it's the the official now. I,
1: I missed that. Yeah, it's official.
2: Even with the Cardinals going nuclear, uh, Corbin Burns. Uh, I knew he was having a good year. He has a seven point six WAR. No, he,
1: he he and Wheeler are a two man race for the Cy Young yeah. right now. It's not even close. He has
2: a two. So yes, he has a two point two nine ERA across twenty seven starts. Uh, Brandon Woodruff has a 2.52 ERA across 29 starts, and Freddy Peralta, their lousy third starter, has a 2.65 ERA across 26 starts. So yes, you can. I think you can probably see where we are going here. When it makes a huge advantage if Atlanta can match up Morton, Freed, and Anderson. Against those three for Milwaukee because that trio is probably the best in the league right now.
1: At least, um, at least this year, yeah. I mean, they've been incredible, yeah. and you know, Milwaukee's success has been driven largely by the run prevention. Um, they have allowed 587 runs this year. That is, I believe, third best in the National League behind only the Giants and Dodgers. So that tells you um, how good they've been at that. And their offense has been like solid, but nothing great. It's just been it's been their pitching staff for the most part. So yeah, I. I actually didn't really fully realize that that pretty much is going to be the opponent <laughs> because of how far the spread is now between the Brewers have clinched and they don't they can't really clinch they can't really catch the Giants so yeah I mean the winner of the NL East is playing the Brewers in the first round that's pretty much done it looks like um, because the Giants or Dodgers will play the wild card winner because the Giants or Dodgers have a hundred wins already so yeah Brewers hopefully. Hopefully, a week from now we will we're a Brewer series on this <laughs> podcast. Um, instead, instead of having to do a Rockies one game preview, I don't want, I don't I don't want any part of that.
2: So no, that's God. Eric can have that one. We'll let Eric do a solo one. Actually, uh, hey, sh- <laughs> hey Sean,
1: if you are listening, Sean, you are in charge of the Rockies one game preview. No, I am kidding. There you uh, go. No, no, that would
2: be a that would be a bad podcast to have to do.
1: It would not be fun. But listen, uh, I think I'll speak for myself. You can you can speak for yourself. I am quite confident in the Braves winning the division. At this moment in time, uh, it's not over. Uh, but the systems and the situation, the projections, all that stuff, say what they say, and that means even yep. the most skeptical system would put the Braves in the 90% range to win the division right now. When you have a two-game, two-and-a-half-game lead with six to go, and you're playing the team behind you in your home ballpark. Uh, but again, like if you lose, if you get if you get swept or if you even lose two out of three. You're still like it's still interesting. I think you did a good job earlier of lining up that you're still actually the favorite if you lose two out of three, but yeah. no one wants to do that. Just go ahead and put this thing away, and uh, we'll enjoy ourselves over the weekend. Because uh, honestly, we talked about not not wanting to, wanting to play the Rockies in a high and high stick scenario. I don't want to play the New York Mets with uh, no. with meaning over the weekend whatsoever. So
2: no teams, especially a division rival, right? Like I know, I know the Mets. They've had a really disappointing year, and to you know, they lose Dick Rom, and they they just never really had a healthy lineup for a good they've chunk. they nine
1: but, out of ten, by the way, right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're going to lose like 85, 87 games this year, which is crazy uh, for a team that was projected by everyone to win like low to mid nineties. Um, they are the New York Mets, but
1: they are indeed. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, you, you talk about not wanting to give a team how much would the Mets like to come into Atlanta and try to ruin some some celebration plans. Don't even get, you know, don't get it to that point. Set yourself up for success, and hopefully this time in a week, as you just said, we're talking about uh, how to attack the Brewers and, and what the NLDS is going to look like compared to uh, trying to uh, pick up the pieces and figure out how the, the end of the year is going to go.
1: If you want to get a good idea of how the Braves have been the best team in the National League this year, this is a good way to do it. The Braves have scored 44 runs, then 44 more runs than any other team in the National League East. The Braves have also allowed the fewest runs in the National League East. Hmm. So yeah. if, you, if you score more than every other, everybody else and allow fewer than everybody else, hmm. you're supposed to win the division.
2: Yeah. Generally, yeah, generally good baseball practice. Score more runs than the other team and don't give up as many runs as the other team.
1: I'm just yeah. saying, you're supposed to win the oh, division yeah. if that happens. And listen, it, it's still possible that they don't, and that would be... Uh, if they don't win the division, it would be A because they have a bad week coming up and B because they got pretty unlucky along the way, both with injuries and also with the Phillies overperforming their run differential. So, uh we'll see. I mean, if I had to predict right now, you know, 538 says 87 wins. I think I will also say 87 wins, um but 87 and 74 because that means they don't have to play next Monday. Hmm. Thoughts? Yeah.
2: Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um yeah i mean really you, you think about the first half of this year where they couldn't break 500 you know 87 88 wins was probably what you and i would have projected that's going to take to win this division i mean we've we have well documented oh, the mets yeah. yeah i mean the mets never pulled away like like they wanted to they they could never pull away the phillies kind of like the braves have haven't been able to get out of their way for the most part and then they had that Really bad. I mean, really, the season came down to the Phillies had a really bad week when the Braves had a really good week. It was that stretch <laughs> where the Braves won. Was it was it eleven out of twelve or something like that? Yeah. In the same stretch, the Phillies went three and eight, and that's your season right there. And it's funny how a long season, one hundred and sixty-two games, can come down to a little stretch like that. But um, you're right. On paper, the Braves are the better team. I think they're going to wrap this up. Um, if I had to make my official prediction, I will say they take two out of three against the Phillies. Maybe they lose to Wheeler on Tuesday night because he's been really good, although Charlie Morton has been great himself. Um, also, they take two out of three against the Phillies, and then they wrap it up on Friday night against the Mets with the win. And then they have the weekend to lay low, give guys a couple days off, and hopefully recharge their batteries uh, for what would be a very difficult uh, NLDS against the Brewers.
1: Yeah, we're on we're on the same page to be sure. And I tweeted this today, and I think you would probably agree, but I was looking at the schedule um, for the full season for the Braves. And everyone knows about that famous two week stretch when the Braves just won every night, and that's why they are gonna win the division if they win it, because they flipped they were down, you know, four or five games and suddenly up four games within two weeks. It was an absolutely crazy run that you just mentioned. Their second best stretch of the season was the last ten days. Like they basically, yeah. Since last Sunday, so last eight days, um, they have they are seven and one in terms of full games, and seven and two if you include the makeup game. That's their that's their second best run of the season, and it's not really close if you look at it. So, obviously, we talked about it ad nauseum. That one stretch that's going to be the biggest factor of the season. But if you're looking for number two, it just happened for last week. I think.
2: Yeah, I mean to go out west. You and I have talked for weeks about any time you have to travel across the country, you worry. And I know that the Diamondbacks have been really bad for the last five months and the Padres are a shell of the team that looked like they were going to win a hundred games uh, during the first half of the year. But you got to win the games, right? Like you can talk about easy schedules and favorable matchups and, and all of that. But man, if you don't go up and show up, uh, it doesn't matter. And, and credit to the to Atlanta for coming in and, and going was six and two this week. Um, that's difficult to do when traveling across the country. And they've, they've put themselves, uh, in a pretty good position here to close it out with a, with a hat tip to the pirates for winning today, which was (laughs) great. It was the final home game of the year for the Phillies too. So you talk about a bad way to close out the year at home, Love uh, getting goose egged by the the pirates. Um, yeah, it should be a fun final week. This is what we've talked. This is what makes it fun to do these podcasts and to be a fan these are the kind of games that you want to tune in for. And again, I hope there's a good crowd for those Phillies games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, even being uh school and work nights. Get out there and, and hopefully uh you know, give the team an advantage. And as you said, they haven't been great at Truist, so hopefully they're able to get some good mojo going and and hopefully uh wrap this thing up here soon.
1: That would be nice. All right, Scott. We have covered uh sort of a nuts and bolts podcast today, but listen, it's crunch time, so that's kind of what we're gonna be doing and uh we'll look ahead to the day by day again i'd recommend if you're not already subscribed to the podcast for a new listener welcome aboard um in the playoffs we kind of always go to an every night cycle but this year since mid-season with uh thanks to sean coleman uh, scott's not brother sean coleman uh, Sean's been carrying us with with a basically a daily podcast. So the Daily Hammers on this on this same feed in short and fashion, you know, game breakdowns, etc. Also still have Road to Atlanta with Eric and all those all of all of the Minor League guys that are fantastic, as well as this show, which is usually me and either Scott or Eric or both at times. But uh we have fun on the Sunday nights as well. So uh, please, if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, it'd be huge. If you did that for us and, uh, we'll be very busy, hopefully for a long time in the next like month. Plus last year was fun. We did a podcast every night for like three and a half weeks this year. Let's hope it's even longer. I have no idea what yeah. to say to that,
2: but we'll... <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm down to do those, especially if they want to make a deep run. That was so much fun last year in October. Uh, obviously it didn't end quite like we wanted, but those first couple series in particular were a lot of fun, uh, quickly under the gun here. Oh. uh, the Mississippi Braves are the 2021 double a Southern champions. So good on them. That's, that's a, you know, I think you, obviously yours and my focus is on the big league side and I'm sure the road to Atlanta guys will talk about the team uh, at length, but you know, good on, good on the Mississippi Braves. I think uh, you always hear about some lifelong friendships and bonding that happens um, in the minor leagues, especially for those guys who are not, uh, one day, expecting to be in Atlanta playing at the highest level. So, congrats to the Mississippi Braves. That's a that's an awesome accomplishment.
1: I'm a terrible host, but at least I can take solace in the fact that this happened during the podcast. So I, I didn't just miss it. It was happening as yes. we were as we were recording. Good. I, I'm not I'm not a complete moron. Sometimes I am, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I think I had a vague recollection that was happening today. But as I always say, minor league stuff. Do not listen to me. Always listen to people smarter than me, like Eric and Grov and Garrett and Matt and everybody else over there. So. Uh, thank you, Scott, for joining me on the podcast, my friend. People can find you where on the Twitter machine?
2: Scott Coleman, 55. I'm, Go I'll Colts. be lament, lamenting. Oh, God. <laughs> oh and three oh and three Indianapolis Colts. Uh, oh, and God, I don't even know what my uh, – I'm an Air, University of Arizona alum. I don't even know what Arizona – they've lost like 20 games in a row. Uh, and, yeah, you know, so football is not going great. So let's hope the Braves keep going strong. And I have some sports happiness with baseball here.
1: It would be better uh, for all parties. My, my college, my college team's been doing okay. Uh, Michigan's playing all right. Uh, the Falcons are the Falcons. They're no fun for anyone. They, they got a win today. They did win today. I'm not sure how I felt about that, but they won today. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Uh. But anyway, thanks, Scott. Uh, as for everybody else, again, one one last time, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Road to Atlanta, I think, will be tomorrow. But regardless, Daily Hammer will be coming every day when well, we're not here uh, for. The foreseeable future, hopefully. Somebody, I can, almost, I can almost promise you a podcast, like, if not every single day, every couple days for the next couple weeks. We'll see. But please subscribe. And we'll see you next time.